The following is the English translation of Pastor Mong Wu's teaching on the Book of Genesis, chapter twenty-five to twenty-six, translated by Ray. Read the Bible every day, so you will be full of faith. So here we are going to read Genesis chapter twenty-five to twenty-six, and in these two chapters, it's actually talking about how can we be the true son in the spiritual realm, and also how can we live a life such that other people can see that the true living God is living inside me. And even though we are the true son and of the Abba Father, but at the same time, we have to learn how can we see God's. Detailed guidance in each steps of our life. When even when we are walking through the pain in all these any circumstances in our life, and also help us to see the purpose behind every conflict and frustration, so that we can keep walking in the broad place. And also, when we are living in God's provision, His abundance in the broad place, help us not just stay in grace, but instead is to be like Isaac, to keep walking into God's promise. And also, these two chapters also teach us how, when we are facing with difficulties or struggles, how to have God's wisdom to teach us how to pray and wait. So first, now first look at chapter twenty-five, and from verse one to six, it mentions that Abraham. Abraham took another wife. This is because after Sarah passed away, Abraham lived for another thirty-eight years, and in these thirty-eight years, he begot many other children through his concubine Keturah, and all these kids he has to release them to the east side because only Isaac can truly receive the inheritance. And then in verse seven, these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, one hundred seventy-five years. So remember that Abraham he entered into the land of Canaan at the age of seventy-five years. So after that, God led him to live for another one hundred years. And in these a hundred years, he just keep learning different lessons of faith from the very beginning level till now. And he learned that God's promise will always be fulfilled. And he, and then he also learned how. To find a wife for his own son, and then he also see his own son, and he see his grandchildren as well. So Abraham now he's very satisfied, and now he seek the city that is to come. So even till his late age, his faith is still constantly being upgraded. So the lessons of faith wouldn't just stop when we. Are gets older. We shouldn't just feel that oh, I think it's enough. I have been believers so for so many years. So now when I go to church, I'm just listening to sermon, read some Bible, and just worship and feel that oh, Lord, may you stop. I think it's good that we don't need any more practice or any difficulties. But no, that's not the case. Abraham, even in his old age, his faith is still constantly being challenged and challenged, and he's practicing his faith. He tell the very end before he、uh, went to see the Lord. So their families, even though Abraham he has his weaknesses, but in his path of life he is constantly practicing this lesson of faith. And later on in verse nine, Isaac and Ishmael his sons. Buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite, east of Mamre, the field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with Sarah his wife. After the death of Abraham, God 
blessed Isaac his son, and Isaac settled at Beer Laharoi. So here Beer Laharoi means the will that was given to me from the everlasting God who sees me. So here Isaac has to learn one thing, which is how to keep living in God's promise. So he saw his father, how through each practice, through faith that he just can enter into the promise step by step and learn how to respond to God's promise. And here, the lessons that Isaac needs to learn is how can he keep staying in the life of a true son to live out God's promise. So God doesn't want him to keep moving here and there. And later on in this chapter, you will see that wherever Isaac go, it's actually the lessons that God is giving him so that Isaac can be the true son that constantly lives in God's promise. And later on from verse 12 to verse 18, it basically talks about the dwelling place of the sons of Ishmael. And in verse 19, these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. He took Rebekah as his wife. And verse 21, and Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. So Isaac and Rebekah, they have been married for 20 years, but Rebekah was barren. And this is very similar to the experience of Abraham and Sarah. So as Rebekah inherited the same blessing as Sarah, as she entered the tent of Sarah, she also need to learn the same lesson of faith. So indeed, God's training is just and very detailed. Isaac, he's also a children who lives in God's promise. And he also see that even though he lives in this promise, he saw his wife is barren for 20 years. So even though he lives in a constant abundance in God's grace, but he still need to learn to wait, to pray, to ask God. And this is one of the lessons that a true son who lives in the promise has to learn. Because you are the one who are receiving God's promise. So you cannot be lacking in prayer. If you want to receive the inheritance, you want to receive the blessing, you have to know that none of these things are acquired by yourself, but the only price that you have to pay is constant prayer. And you will also see how through prayer, God will allow us to keep passing through, to cross over each difficulties in our life. And this is the same for Rebecca. Rebecca, she is such a diligent girl. She is so beautiful, but she has to learn how to endure in these 20 years of barrenness. She also have this issue in terms of fertility. So God wants her to learn to pray, wants her to learn to ask her husband so that she can learn to live undercover, live in God's order, live under authority. And it's Isaac's prayer that makes Rebecca conceive. And later in verse 22 to 23, the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. So remember, Rebecca, she doesn't have a child. So she's so longing to have a kid. And so now she has kids. But it turns out that these kids bring so much struggle to her. So Rebecca, she learns another lesson. Now this time, she is not inquiring of her husband. But instead, she now inquires of the Lord. And Remember that the elevation of faith in Sarah is because she heard the speaking from the messenger and she responds to the messenger. So that's why Sarah grow in her faith. And this is the same thing for Rebecca because she also is going to be the mothers of multitude of nations. She has 
is receiving this promise and she has the portion in this promise. So she also need to learn to inquire of the Lord. God, what is your will? Why I didn't have kids previously and now you gave me the kids, but why now these kids are bringing me so much pain? So sometimes you might ask God, God, previously I don't have it and now you give me, but the outcome of you giving me this actually brings me more pain. What is your will for me? So the key to surpass, to overcome these situation is that we learn, have to learn to ask the Lord and the Lord will give you revelation and he will give you guidance. So now Rebecca can learn what is God's arrangement and she will learn to differentiate the two paths. One is the path of flesh and the other one is the path of life. Similarly, Sarah, the lesson that Sarah is learning is to differentiate human's hands and God's hands. The one belongs to flesh and the one belongs to the promise. So similarly, Rebecca has to learn what's the differences between the one, the path that belongs to the flesh and the path that belongs to the spirit. So these lessons, even though they have been learned by our previous generation, for next generation, we also need to learn. As a true sons and true daughters, we can also pray, God, all the graces and blessings that our previous generations had acquired. Now, even though I receive it, but I also want to learn again that same lessons of faith. It's not that our previous generation, they have, they learned this lesson of faith, then we don't need to learn it anymore. No, but instead, in the promise, in the state of promise, our life has to constantly to grow, to mature, so that we will know how to use these authorities so that we can truly receive the inheritance. And this is how a true son mature under the guardians and managers until he is ready to inherit and use the inheritance. Later in verse 24 to 26, indeed, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy clock, so they called his name Esau, it means hairy. Afterwards, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob, it means take by the heel. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So they got married when Isaac was 40 years old and they got children when he was 60 and there is a 20 years gap in between. So even though there are still lessons of faith, but the duration is actually shortened. For Sarah and Abraham, in terms of the fertility, the time for them to learn the lesson is very long, but there is actually additional grace for our next generation. So that in terms of the lessons of the faith that we can can learn to receive the blessings on the foundation that our previous generations has accumulated, has learned of the favor, and we start to receive the promises on that foundation. So we can also ask the Lord that this lessons of faith can be shortened, but the blessings is actually multiplied. So later on, indeed, after the kids, they grew up, one likes to be in the field and the other is a quiet man dwelling in tents. So it's our uh, human nature that as Isaac lives in grace, he experienced many fleshly pleasure. So he loves Esau as he ate of his game. While Rebecca mostly stay at home, so she loves the son who spent time with her. Each has their own preference, but later on, this also create a conflict in the family. So we as a parents, we have to pray that of course we receive the inheritance, but we also need to learn how to raise up our children, how to teach them so that our next generation, the third generation, the fourth generation can constantly be walking in God's 
um, guidance and his calling. And we need to lead our children through God's wisdom. So today we can pray, Lord, may you teach me how to guide my children to step into their calling with the wisdom that you can give me. And then in verse 29, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of the red stew that for I'm exhausted. So note that the red stew is not red bean stew. Red stew is actually a food cooked with lentil or other root plants. So Esau asked for the red stew and Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. So it's possible that Rebecca throughout the years, she was just constantly saying that the older shall serve the younger and now so the younger one is trying to grab the promises and he tried to grab it through his own nature it's kind of similar to his grandfather that they both want to speed up God's promises through their own hands so even though they are both circumcised but for Jacob even though his flesh received the circumcised his heart still needs to receive another circumcision so now he tried to grab it he asked for the birthright right now and esau said that i'm about to die so here's it's not like esau is really dying dying but he's just exhausted if i'm exhausted then of what use is a birthright to me so he just sell it to him then in verse 34 then jacob gave esau bread and lentil stew and he ate and drank and rose and went his way Thus Esau despised his birthright. So remember that in the Bible, it really cares about the position, our birthright, the due position. So maybe now today we don't have the birthright, but we still have the due position as a true son. We have the position as the son of God. And today, Jesus Christ is our elder brother. And so we are the same son in this family. And with our elder brother, Jesus Christ, we are able to receive his provision in this due position of a true son. And we have to learn how to mature in our position as a true son. So may God help us never despise the position that God gave to us. And similarly, for our uh, fleshly children, we also don't want to just use our own natural preference, but instead we want to help each one of our children, no matter there are two or three, we want each one of them to step into God's calling. So obviously the elder son is the one that we begot when we were the, the strongest. And of course, we want this son to receive the double portion. But for my other children, we want them to also receive the same blessings. That is a blessing under our elder brother, Jesus Christ. So may the Lord help us to always stay in this position of a true son and never despise our heavenly position because of our love love of the world and the worldly blessing that nowadays many people at church they have the same mindset as Esau they will say like oh why do I need to care about my position as a as a son of God that the money the food the place the abundance is more important and like for the blessings that we keep praying at church, oh, the blessing as a grace, the blessing of our um, position, these are too abstract. I want something more concrete. So today we can see that there is a group of Christians that they also have the same mindset as Esau. They just keep asking God for material blessing. But today, nowadays in God's house, we also need someone who is like Jacob, that he's determined to have God's blessing, want God's promise and his 
destiny. So, and eventually Jacob, he will be changed, even though in this chapter, Jacob is still using his own hands. But afterwards, he will be changed and he becomes someone who can continue the promise. So their families, may we bless our children to value God's promise, to value God's blessings, to value our due position as God's son and daughters. And we will not just lose our blessings because of our desire for money, for flesh, for fame, and for the pleasure in the world. So that help us to not have the attitude, the same mindset as Esau. And later on in chapter 26, now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. So this situation, this scenario is actually very similar to the time of Abraham. But here, note that this Abimelech is not the same Abimelech at the time of Abraham. It's probably the sons or even grandchildren of Abimelech. We don't exactly know, but it's because this name, quote-unquote, Abimelech, it's just how they call the king at those places. And so now um, there's again a famine, but there's something very special happened in verse 2. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge my commandments my statutes and my laws so here again they also face another famine and Isaac is going to Gerar and then he immediately wants to go to Egypt but exactly is at this timing that God manifests himself to Isaac for the first time to try to stop him to from entering entering into Egypt. So why didn't God stop Abraham from entering into Egypt when there was a famine? It's because when he met Abimelech, his weaknesses can be exposed. So similarly, um, God now hindered, stopped Isaac, is to want Isaac to learn how to follow God's footsteps. So whether or not God stopped him or did not stop him, God's guidance or the words that God speak to him afterwards, each one of them has God's gracious will. So we can learn to how to ask God in great details in all scenarios. And this is an important lesson for someone who lives in a position of a true son of God, to know, to ask for the guidance, to ask God to manifest himself to me, to ask God to strengthen the promises and destiny that you have given to me. So because remember that promises and destinies is actually inheritable. So maybe Isaac did not experience the exact same struggles or pain, but his faith still needs to grow. Usually the faith in the first generation Christians are the strongest, but later on in second, third, fourth generation, their faith might not be as strong as the first generation because they allow their faith be just becomes a habit and then they lose the fear of the Lord. So we as a second, third, fourth generation Christians, we need to always pray to the Lord, God, may you guide my footstep. May you guide me. Either I should move forward or stay at the same place. May you always speak to me clearly. And later on, indeed, in verse 6, so Isaac listened and settled in Gerar. 
He stayed in Gerar. It means that he is a true son. He knows that when he should move, when he should stay according to God's will. However, we are still very weak. So even though God has already told him to fear not, but he is still afraid. So he made the same mistakes as his father. So we don't necessarily have to call these things a curse, but instead we can maybe call this as a tendency, a weaknesses of we human being. And this kind of weaknesses is actually also inheritable. So we can also pray to the Lord, God, may you stop the curses in my generation completely. And also similarly, all my weaknesses, my flesh, my old self, Lord, may you nail them on the cross right now so that my sons and daughters can live in front of you honestly, transparently, and you will also honestly planted them in your kingdom and don't overlook the power of this prayer. So remember that we have been mentioning there are two paths. One is the path of Babel and the other one is the path of life. But here you remember that in the path of life for Abraham, there are many branches that you see that Lot, he sinned with his daughter and eventually Moabites and Ammonites, they keep hurting Israel. And similarly, Ishmael are also hurting Israel all the time. So all these surroundings, environment, all these branches that coming out, even the sons from cataract, they all becomes the surrounding nations and eventually they all become a huge trouble for Israel. So we have to remember that every decision that we made out of our flesh, every mistakes, every words, every temper that we have, even our natural preferences, they will all became a mark of our weaknesses and will keep bothering us and also inherit to our children. So we have to ask God to truly nail my old self, nail my flesh on the cross so that my sons and daughters can truly live in front of the Lord with clean hands and a pure heart. So in verse 9, So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she's my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought lest I die because of her. So here, because, you know, even though Rebecca indeed is a distant relative of Isaac, but Abimelech was very angry. Like, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So here, this King Abimelech, he is more strict than his father, King Abimelech. He strictly condemned Isaac and fully exposed all his weaknesses, his fear, and his worry. So their families, we should not be anxious when our kids are suffering. We don't have to keep protecting them so well to a degree that they never experience any difficulties. Sometimes some frustration in the lessons of faith is necessary because in the path of life, God will be able to expose the weaknesses, the flesh of our children. It's because God is trying to save them. So we can also pray that, Lord, today I handed my children Onto you. So when their weaknesses is being exposed, they are still able to fear you and live in front of you. And next in verse 12, after his weaknesses being exposed, Isaac actually starts to strengthen and his faith actually grows. And he now received the blessings and becomes like his father that to receive the double portion of the blessing. 
And Isaac sold in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. So the exposure of our weaknesses is to elevate, upgrade our faith. And each time when we are being condemned, it's because we want to be strengthened so that we can receive the blessing. So each time when God is pruning in our life, it's always connected to the upgrade of his blessing. And the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy so that the Philistines envied him. And in verse 15, now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servant had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. So Abimelech asked him to leave. But actually, Isaac didn't leave because he did not dare to leave. And he still encamped in the valley of Gerar. And that shows that he's someone who is truly obeyed to the Lord. Even though the circumstances ask him to leave, maybe he will try to move a little bit, but he doesn't dare to completely leave the land of Gerar because God didn't speak to him. So here Isaac learned, learned the lessons of faith that even though he listened to the words of the king and he also responds to the king's words, but eventually he knows that he has to respond to the Lord. So their family, today we need to learn these things. Now, remember that King Abimelech is the greatest authority at those times. So Isaac has to learn to respond to Abimelech, to honor Abimelech. So he moved his place slightly, but eventually Isaac has to respond and take account to the Lord. So he did not move away Valley of Gerar as that is God's commands. And then in verse 18 and 19, as all those wells are filled with earth, so Isaac dug again the wells of water, and he found there a well of spring water. So actually cistern is very different from a well of spring water. Cistern is just a very, very thick peat so that the rain and the dew can accumulate there. But the fact that he does not dare to leave Gerar completely is because he knows God well. So now when he dug a well and he found immediately that there is a well of spring water and the well of spring water is fed by the groundwater not through the rain so it's actually much more valuable than just a cistern so god he will continue to use his grace and blessings to guide isaac but then you will note that even though the blessing is coming but very soon contentions and enmity will also come so that caused him to keep digging well one after another until his fourth well, then he arrived at Rehobor, which is a broad place. So that's why in verse 22, he says, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. So their families, every single step of Isaac from Gerar, he kept moving to Isaac, to Sidna, and eventually to Rehobor. It's all the guidance from the Lord. And he just keeps falling step by step. And you might say that, oh, Isaac had, has dug so many well, and it's always being occupied by others. Why should I always concede? Should not God avenge for me? Should I not stand firm for my own benefits? But you have to know that a detailed following of God's plan is very important. If God asks you to leave, then you leave. If God asks you to stand firm, then you stand firm. If God asks you to resist, then you resist. It's not that your rights cannot be affected or impacted, but instead we have to know that this is God's guidance from the beginning, from the path of Gerar to Isaac to Sidna to Rehobor. But when eventually God asks him to stay in Rehobor, Isaac clearly knows that we shall be fruitful here. 
However, if you later on move on to verse 23, did Isaac just stay at Rehoboam forever? So indeed, Rehoboam is a nice place that brings prosper and without enemies, but Isaac knows that they cannot just stay there because God is continued to guiding him. So in his next step, he went up to Beersheba. So we should realize that it's because of God's presence that brings us blessing rather than we just stay in a blessed place and thought that there must be God's presence. Dear family, you have to have this spirit of discernment. If we don't have this spirit of discernment, then eventually we as a true son, we will find out, oh, wow, God's blessing, his grace is so awesome. Now I don't want to go. I can just have these. I'm satisfied. Why don't we just stay here? No more trouble. Let me just keep enjoying the Lord until the Lord come back. But this is not what Isaac did. He has to go to Beersheba. Is it because there's anything special in Beersheba? No, there's actually nothing there. But then why didn't Isaac just stay in Rehoboth? It's because Beersheba is on the path to the land of Canaan. It's the path towards the promised land. It's the path towards God's blessing and destiny. So we have to remember that grace cannot hinder us from stepping into our destiny. And this is what Abraham has been constantly praying for Isaac. So here Isaac, he knows that even though I know here is a lot of grace and blessing, but I want to step into my calling. So we have to keep praying for ourselves that Lord, I can receive your blessing, but at the same time, I will see your destiny, your promise as more important than all the blessings that you can give me so that we will be able to, to see and follow God's latest guidance to us. And later on, when you look at verse 24, and the Lord appeared to him the same night. And this is the second time when the Lord manifests himself to Isaac. And in this manifestation, he told him that I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not for I'm with you. So Isaac already has God's promise on him, but now God makes it more clear for I'm with you. So maybe God can give you some blessing. God has the promise, has a destiny, and we can receive it. But eventually the greatest blessing is the union between God and human, the presence of God. With, if When we have God's presence, we'll have everything. We'll have God's promise and also all the blessings. But if we don't have God's presence, any blessings are just temporary and we'll eventually lose them. So we have to know we what we want eventually is God himself. So here, Isaac clearly knows that when he moves from Rehoboth to Beersheba, God, he himself choose to manifest to him and tell him that I'm with you and I will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servants, Abraham's sake. So Isaac here learns to build the altar and call upon the name of the Lord and pitch his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. The living well in Beersheba is actually an indication of God's presence with him. An altar, the blessing, the grace, it's the best sign that God can give to Isaac. So, dear families, where do you want to stay? Do you want to stay in the place of contention? Probably not. Do you want to stay in the place of enmity? Probably not. But do you want to stay in the place of a broad space? And many people will just stop here. But today we want to ask God, God, may you help me, guide me to Beersheba, because there is your altar, there is your living well, and there is your presence. I want your presence more than your blessing, also more than the broad space that you can give me. It's your presence, your destiny, and your calling that has to be continued 
on my line. So in verse 26 to 29, he made a covenant with Abimelech. We will do no harm to each other. Go in peace for you are now the blessed of the Lord. So here you can see that Abimelech also noticed one thing. He realized that not only Isaac is a very rich person, but he now starts to revere Isaac. He sees that he is the one with God's presence. So throughout the history, we can see that God can bless many, many Christians, but whether or not a Christian can live out a life that will inspire the people around us to also fear the one true God in us. And to do that, we have to learn to follow God's footsteps. It's not just having others to admire the abundant blessings that God gave to me, because this will become the gospel of grace. Okay, people are just admiring you. Oh, you have so many blessings. But the true gospel of grace, the true biblical gospel of grace, is that the grace on this person can inspire the people around him to fear God. Rather than just admiring those blessings, but instead is to have the people around me to fear you. So maybe you have a lot of things that makes other people envy, but it's not doesn't necessarily mean you can inspire others to fear the Lord. So today, maybe we have a lot of blessings, but we want to be like Isaac, to have Abimelech to fear him, to revere him, to see that, recognize that he is the blessed of the Lord. So they later eat and drink and make a covenant and now call this place Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. So their families. Nowadays in this generation, many people want to make covenant with us. But when they are making this covenant, it's because they have this fear of the Lord. Just like in the book of Acts, the people fear the apostle. They fear Christians because of God's presence. So today, if today Christianity becomes a religion of just about material blessings and we did not talk about God's words, God's truth, then that's not what God wants. Only when our abundance and grace that God gave us can inspire others to also fear God. This is the true gospel of grace that is biblical. So may the Lord help us to not just keep asking for material blessing, but instead help us to be willing to leave the broad place Rehobor and go into Beersheba. And in Beersheba, the living well in Beersheba can let people around us to truly revere us, to inspire them to fear the Lord and to give glory to God. And later in verse 34, 35 is actually a foretale of Jacob's living. So when Esau was 40 years old, so basically Isaac was 100 years old at the time. Remember when Abraham lived in the promised land for 100 years, he learned that he has to help his son to step into their calling. And here when Isaac is in the land of Canaan for 100 years, we can see that the separation between these two paths, the path of the flesh and the path of the promise becomes more and more evident. So you can see that Isaac and Rebecca were troubled by the fate of Esau and his descendants so that they didn't actually taught Esau to keep living, to keep walking in God's promise. Even though Esau, he is destined to serve the younger one, but he's also the one that is supposed to receive the destiny and inheritance. So even though God did not choose him in this aspect, but he can still choose to follow God closely to serve the Lord, and Lord will also give him great promise. But he did not choose that path. So eventually Esau become Edom, 
Edom. And later on, Edom becomes the greatest enemy of Israel. In the time of distress of Jacob, Edom is always adding insult to injury. So may God help us and have mercy on us to give a wisdom to how to teach our children to always walk in God's destiny, to help us to know that grace cannot replace God's presence and the blessing of the broad land cannot replace the altar in Beersheba. What we want is God's manifestation and His presence with us. May the Lord bless us always. Amen.